everybody, it's Dave here. We're back again. Now with the next position group. One of my personal favorites because I've played it. Anyways, let's bring on Tyler Fornis of Climbing the Pocket Network, one of our draft talent experts, to talk about the top five positions at Edge. Hey, Tyler. What do you think of those defensive ends, which we now call edges, because they could be either defensive ends, hands in the dirt, or up on two, uh, both feet, no hands, being a, quote, outside la rushing linebacker? Who is your number five? Well, I'll say this. This is a really weird edge class. There isn't that premier guy, that Miles Garrett, that Nick Bosa. But there's a lot of really talented players. And there are a lot of guys who are going to have second and third round grades. I, I just, uh, I'll take a look at, at mine right now. Uh, I think I have like nine players uh, that have uh, first or second round grades. Like pretty astounding. Like this is a really talented group of people. But at that top, there, there isn't that one guy. So you're going to see guys flow uh, from one to five. One guy didn't make my list that I've seen some lists at edge one is Aziz Ojolari out of Georgia. I think it, right now he's a one-trick pony. He's also going to be somebody who I pigeonhole as a 3-4 outside linebacker. I think he's a very good player. He's got a great motor. He's got some power, but I think he has a lot of, a lot of things to continue to work on, and that's why he barely uh, missed my top five. He's got a mid-second-round grade. Well, my number five is Houston's Peyton Turner. I love, absolutely love Peyton Turner. Uh, he is one of my top five favorite prospects in this draft. He came into Houston as a 220-pound defensive end, bulked up to 290 to play three technique his sophomore and junior seasons, lost 20 pounds, played at 270 this past year on the edge, and he not only has a motor that runs red hot, but he's got some athleticism. There's a play against BYU where they ran like a jet sweep, he planted his foot in the ground and chased the guy down who ran like a 4 4 40. Like he's got the juice. He's able to uh, bend on the edge relatively well. Not his best strength, but he, he can do it. He's got power in his hands. He knows how to uh, win with uh, technique and leverage. He can work inside, he can work outside. And there is a lot of length with him, and he knows how to use it very well. I think if you pair him and what his testing is, is and how skilled he is already on the field with Andre Patterson. You're talking about a lethal combination with him and Daniil Hunter. Like, I, I salivate thinking about what Peyton Turner can do at the next level with some proper coaching. He is an all-time favorite draft crush of mine, and he is my edge five. And I've seen some people I really respect, including Connor Rogers, uh, who uh, had him as his edge five as well. So I know I'm not alone in, with the unabashed love of Peyton Turner. That gets me excited, listening about Peyton Turner. Sounds like my kind of guy. Who do you have at number four? Now, here's the fun part about my edges three through five. They all got the same numerical grade from me, uh, a high second-round grade. And my guy at number four is Joseph Osai out of Texas. Uh, the only player that has a hotter motor than Peyton Turner is Joseph Osai. He is an incredible player 
with when it comes to effort. He gets he makes a lot of plays in the running game, and he's gotten sacks just out of sheer determination. But he's also really raw. He needs time. He doesn't have a developed pass rush plan. He uses uh, most of his wins are I'm just faster and more athletic than you, or I'm just gonna absolutely blow past you with some power. Like he needs he needs to develop uh, a pass rush plan. He needs to develop some counters. He needs to get some multiple moves in the arsenal. I think in two or three years, we could be talking about Joseph Osai as a perennial like Pro Bowl type player. I know Pro Bowl is kind of meaningless, but as far as like a gauge of how good the player is, it's kind of a good baseline. And Joseph Osai can put his hand in the dirt. He can stand up. He's probably going to be better right away as a stand-up rusher, but he has the frame where he's right now he's 246. He could add 10 to 15 pounds, and I don't think you're going to lose a lot of that explosiveness that he currently has, which is always the tricky part. If you project a guy to put on weight, how much of that twitch are they going to lose? I don't think he's going to lose a whole lot. And I really like Joseph Osai and what he can bring uh, to an organization. So uh, he is my edge four. From four, we go to three. Three is the top of uh, this kind of grouping that all have the same numerical grade for me. And it's a little bit of a surprise, but it's Jason Owe, uh, the edge out of Penn State. Now, the interesting thing about Owe is he had zero sacks in 2020. And throughout his college career, I think he only had four. But for me, I, it doesn't matter. The guy was always um, in the area of the quarterback. He has a motor that runs hot. He's got the size and athleticism. Put his numbers next to Daniel Hunter, they're better. Uh, and he ran a 4.3640 at 256 pounds at 6.5. He is an athletic specimen, one of the most athletic players I've ever seen at his size on the football field. And you need to work with him on technique. You need to work with him on counters, a plan. He uses a spin move really, really well, and he can get off the ball incredibly fast. But outside of that, he doesn't really know how to win yet. And that's where the he's just a moldable ball of clay, and you can make him something great. But you're going to have to take him round one, most likely, in order to be able to unlock that potential. And that's a pretty risky proposition for a guy that didn't produce in college. Production isn't the gold standard. You don't need to be this most productive player in order to be successful at the NFL level. But to not have elite-level production and you're projected as a late first, early second-round pick, it's a big risk. And I think with OA, uh, with a great defensive line coach, I'd be willing to take that risk. And I think there's just there's just too much good there to not really consider him in the back end of that first round. So Jason OA is my edge three. Who do you have as number two? Now these last two guys are my only first round grades at the edge position. Number two is Jalen Phillips, the edge out of Miami. Phillips is the most complete edge prospect that we have in this draft class. He can win in multiple ways. He knows uh, he has relatively good counters, which a lot of these guys just don't have. And he can bend. He can win with power, win with quickness. He can do a little bit of everything. And his skill set is more rounded and complete than anyone else in this class. Jalen Phillips' big issue is he medically retired because of concussions. He did come back. He got fully cleared by Miami's doctors, and he had a fantastic, fantastic season this past year. 
for the Hurricanes. Now, Phillips, you could use standing up. You could put his hand in the dirt. Uh, but in order to truly understand where he's going to go and what his stock will be, you need, you need to understand and have access to the medicals. I don't have that. So just at, from what I see on film, the number one overall recruit in the 2017 recruiting cycle, according to, I believe, all three services of Rivals 24-7 and ESPN, Jalen Phillips is the guy. He is, he is an alpha. He, he can beat you in so many ways off the edge. Still needs some work technique-wise, but all of these guys need work technique-wise. Uh, if you're comfortable with the medical history, I would bet on Jalen Phillips being a successful NFL player, and he's my edge too. Uh, he's been a name that's been talked about for the Vikings. Now, speaking of names talked about for your Vikings, who's your number one? It's Quiddy Pay out of Michigan. And we were kind of talking about it before we started recording, Dave. Uh, Quiddy Pay, he's only 6'2 and 5'8, and, but he weighs 262, and he is a stout 262. Right? He is built very well, and he knows how to handle power on the inside. He can, he's Everson Griffin, but more athletic. And he can, he has that legendary 6.37 second three cone, which would be the second fastest three cone ever at the NFL combine. And the fastest by a defensive end by far, the, like the top 10 uh, numbers are all cornerbacks. So his, he is an athletic freak. Number one of Bruce Feldman's freak lists for, uh, I think, I believe the last two years, which tells you what kind of athlete Quiddy Pay is. And I think because of what Everson Griffin was asked to do as a five technique, utilize power, be good in the run game, set the edge, and then rush the passer, I think Quiddy Pay can do the exact same things. And I think that's why Mike Zimmer will fall for him and why I really believe he could be the pick at 14. He didn't have the most phenomenal production, but this was also a COVID year in the Big Ten, and I kind of look past that a little bit. His fourth quarter against the University of Minnesota was sheer domination, where he had Three plays of a tackle for loss, sack, and a sack, and took over the game when the Gophers are trying to crawl and claw back in. I think Quiddy Pay can be an excellent, excellent NFL player, and I think you could uh, realistically expect him to contribute uh, right away. Uh, One thing that doesn't get talked about nearly enough is how elite of a run defender he is. He understands and has uh, what the offense wants him to do and has an elite football IQ. And he knows what he's supposed to be doing, and he can process that very rapidly. If the offense wants him to flow to the outside, but he knows he needs to stay in the B-gap, he's going to stay and he's going to make the play. And those kind of things are going to really um, romanticize themselves to a defensive coordinator and how they want to uh, initial, initially bring him along as a football player because he already has that run ability. He can process things fast. And He's got the intelligence to be able to do all those things. You can teach him pass rush moves and counters and get him to continue to grow in those areas while you can trust him on all three downs. And that's why Quiddy Pay for me is my edge one. He is a more athletic Everson Griffin. And I think if he ended up a Minnesota Viking, you're talking about him and Daniil Hunter. Like in two years, you could be talking about them as the best pass rush duo in the NFL. Like I think he has an incredible ceiling. Uh, you also have to just be comfortable with the fact that he's not the biggest or longest. He's not um, suboptimal, but he's not what the Vikings necessarily prefer at those positions. So um, Quiddy Pay, edge one, relatively comfortably. 
and I'm really excited to see what he can do uh, next level. It should be interesting. We'll find out on draft night who they pick, and Quiddy Pay may just be it. With that, join us again tomorrow for the next position group. And until then, skull everybody! <laughs> <laughs>